Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, 60-Man Player Pool, Patrick Wisdom. And ask me questions if I was confusing. I'm going through a bit of a suite on the players that are in the 60-Man Player Pool, but are unlikely to be on the 28-Man roster because there is a mindset among some that all 60 players... In the 60-man player pool, should be automatically considered valid options for the 28-man roster. Because after all, why else would you have a 60-man player pool other than to have players ready to fill in at the 60-man roster? So what I've been going doing is going through players who you might not be familiar with that are on the in the 60-man player pool. It's it's really it's really wrecking my universe that it's on the 40-man roster and in the 60-man player pool. It just, it, I know what I want to say, but when I say on instead of in or in instead of on, it just wrecks my universe. Patrick Wisdom was not too terribly long ago signed by the Cubs into their 60-man player pool. Wisdom is principally a bat-first third baseman, and I'm going to walk you through the Patrick Wisdom history book for a little bit of historical reference purposes. Uh, kind of, it touches on something that I talked about not too long ago about Cubs not having many bats in the system. Wisdom was a first-round draft pick by St. Louis from St. Mary's College, which is in Morega, California. I was contemplating looking up Morega, California, so I had a bit of a frame of reference as to where that was. When people hear a college player played in California. Sometimes sometimes there's an automatic default that California, all schools in California, are necessarily good hitting environments. That's not necessarily the case. The weather's generally quite nice in Cali. However, a lot of the, quite a few of the Baseball venues tend to be rather large out in California, for whatever reason. And college coaches in California, again, for whatever reason, tend to be very old school. Do anything you can to get that one run across. Bunt, hit and run, steal, anything you can do. Just get the one run, and then after you get the one run, add for another run. And sometimes it makes for baseball that 
Some people consider fascinating because they love watching buns, and some people become would consider unwatchable because they want to watch a kid crush the ball. Now, the hiccup with a large baseball venue in California, what a lot of people who are primarily MLB-only watchers, they see an outfield with, oh, let's say, 340 to left, 410 to center, 375, 380 up the gaps. The mindset drifts to major league games where your right fielder is 6'3", 210. Your first baseman is 6'4", 240. You know, big, big, big major league dudes who have ripped bodies and they do a lot of body training and, you know, Third baseman might be just uh, almost as tall as Chris Bryant. But in college, that's not how it works. You're dealing with kids who are two or three or less years out of high school. In college, a lot of times, a good strategy for pitching is to tell the pitcher, let them hit the ball. Because if you have a kid that's 5'7", 160, and he's hitting sixth because he's one of their better hitters, those kids aren't going to crush the ball 395. Even with the BB core bats, they're not going to be able to swing and hit the ball 420 like a major leaguer does. The bang factor just isn't quite so much there. So a lot of the California schools, especially, will have reasonably large dimensions. And with the reasonably large dimensions, there really won't be that many home runs. It's just not really going to happen, at least not very often. St. Mary's College, Morega, California, I didn't look up the dimensions of the venue but probably most of the time, a lot of the schools, it's just, they're not hitter-friendly when you consider what a standard college, college hitter is. Again, which is another, another reason that it's probably, if you're going to try to do the deep baseball thing, if you're going to try to even remotely do the deep baseball thing, have one college team you pay attention to. It doesn't matter which one. Pick a good one and then follow that team just a little through the season, about half an hour a week. Maybe listen to one or two games if they're really important. But have some sort of an idea of how hard do your starting pitchers throw, your weekend guys, your Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys. How, how fast are your base runners? And do they match up with the rest of the teams that you're playing against? Patrick Wisdom for St. Mary's College, his first two seasons, had an OPS of 543 and 550, uh, 543 and 553. Not anything special. He was your normal, average, ordinary, really big park college 
freshman and sophomore. His third year, he finally figured it out and had an 861 OPS. Again, it's not jump off the page and scream, you have to, have to, have to get this guy. So why did the Cardinals pick him? It made sense at the time. He had that good step up year from his junior year, sophomore year to his junior year. And in 191 at-bats, he had 22 extra base hits. He had 37 walks and 43 strikeouts. He had some pop. He had some developing pop. And he had a rather good walks-to-strikeout ratio for a hitter who was developing. When he got into the Cardinals system, he was not... A couple podcasts ago, I was talking about hitters that bang, 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 bang. Wisdom wasn't that guy. He was a third baseman. Third basemen are generally considered rather safe as far as hitters. Because if it turns out their offense is a little bit weaker than had been projected, they can sometimes get moved to the outfield and, you know, show that you're a right fielder, show that you're a left fielder. Maybe move them to second base. But if it turns out they're hitting really well, but they just can't hack it defensively, then they can get moved to first base. So there's a little bit of defensive flexibility with a third baseman. Wisdom was a third baseman and a bat first one. And the low minors, he was, his OPS, 838, 723, 676. So he was hitting, though not hitting entirely as hoped. In double A, his first, his two tries at double A, 644 OPS, 700 OPS. So he was not ideal, but he was getting better. In triple A, 677, 817, 843. Aha, uh -huh. there the bat is finally starting to catch up in games to what he was showing in batting practice. 677, 817, 843. He was then given a chance with the Cardinals at the major league level, and the cup of coffee didn't fit very well, didn't suit the uh, palate very well. He didn't do particularly well at the major league level. That was the 843 was in 2018. In 2019, he'd moved on to the Rangers. He hit 845 as an OPS in 2019. Got a call up to the major leagues again, this time for Texas. And he hit worse than he had with St. Louis. So Wisdom was eventually let go. And I think he was with someone else in spring training. And after the 60-man player pools were put together, someone released him and the Cubs decided, you know what, wisdom makes sense because he can actually hit. And the Cubs, 60-man player pool, the players in South Bend. No offense to any of them. None of them are the type of guy that you're going to say, 
I'm reliant upon this guy to come up in the eighth inning in a key situation and pinch hit. That's not, no, no. Wisdom, you could actually justify that. Wisdom is on the list of the people in the 60-man player pool. See how I did that again? I said on instead of in. If I was said in, it would have worked perfectly. Wisdom is in the 60-man player pool because he can hit. And the Cubs just don't have guys that have shown at the AA and AAA level that they are legitimate hitters. They have, They don't have that. The closest the Cubs have is probably Albert Almora, maybe Ian Miller, maybe Ryan Lemaire, but the best of the hitters in South Bend right now, if you want the hit right now, is probably Patrick Wisdom. Wisdom is probably the toughest at bat for Braylon Marquez. And Braylon Marquez and Keenan Thompson and the rest of the Corey Abbott, Corey Abbott, when when the pitchers, uh, when the pitchers in South Abbott, um, Wisdom is probably the best hitter the Cubs have out there, and to that extent, he's probably helping the guys develop because. Having hitters isn't something that the Cubs are good at in the upper minors levels, which has led quite a few times to players getting rushed from double A or triple A, Ian Happ, Nico Horner, to the major leagues because, well, we need somebody up there and we have nobody else. So, um, wisdom is a bat, he's a hitter. You really don't want him out there defensively. And that's mainly why he's there. He's not likely to get a call to the Major League Club. There's really no reason. And having a an actual player who hits at the AAA level is rather useful for a 60-man player pool. Had it been different, and had the magic number 60 been 70 or 74, maybe the Cubs would have had a couple other hitters as well. But Major League Baseball decided, nope, all you get to have is 60 players practicing every day. Thank you, Rob Manfred, etc. I doubt Wisdom will get a Major League at bat. I doubt that was ever the intent no matter how poorly Javier Baez and Chris Bryant and whoever are hitting, Patrick Wisdom is unlikely to be rushed up to be given a look, even though he might be able to hit better than they've been hitting now. Because that's the way things go. Thanks for stopping by, Prearb Excellent. I'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to make that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.